This morning uh, we'll begin in 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5 and verses 1 to 13. <clears throat> Whosoever believes that Jesus the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God this is he who came by water and blood Jesus Christ not only by water but by water and blood and it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are one, are, agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. <clears throat> in this passage here, we, we understand something and it's mentioned in other passages too, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a gospel of morality. Morality is taught in it, and we're called to do things that are moral, but that's not the, the focal point of the message. The focal point of the message is faith. And that is where it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It is a message that must we must respond to by faith. And yes, that faith is an action word, and it causes us to do things differently, of course. But we see that there in the in the gospel message of Jesus, he talks about those who believe for a time, but they don't continue in Christ. They believe it on some level, maybe mental level, we don't know what level. But we know from Romans chapter 10 that we must believe it in our heart. If we confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart 
that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Because we see that both on Judgment Day and throughout the Gospel message, that there are those who profess Christ for a time and and profess they know him. But then uh, Jesus, uh, on the Day of Judgment, says, I never knew you. So there are many who profess Jesus. But whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ in their hearts is born of God. And it says, it goes on in that first verse to say, and everyone who loves him begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Well, that sounds a little bit like a tongue twister, but what it's saying is, is that if we love God, who begot us, who, who are born of, if we're born of God, we love all the others who are born of God. And this is the point and the essence of fellowship, of what Jesus said, to love one another as I have loved you. And we can't do that unless we're born of God. I mean, people can love from a worldly point of view, but the kind of love that Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, we have to be born of God. And it gives us a a special uh, love for those who are his children, along with us. And we read also in First John, it says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, cleanses from all sin. If we are walking in the light, we will have fellowship with others that are walking in the light. There is that bond, that magnetic bond, between those who are walking in the light because the Spirit of God is moving through them and living through them. And there's this connection. They may be very different in other, all other ways of life, but their, their, their bond and their connection is, in, as, Paul, as uh, the Apostle John says, our fellowship is in the Holy Spirit. And so, <coughs> it goes on in verse 2 to say, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God... And keep his commandments. So we say, well, but this wasn't a message of morality. This is a message of transformation, of a changed heart, that God changes us and gives us his life and gives us the ability to love one another in a way that we were never able before. And it says, for this is the love of God, verse 3, we, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The, the keeping of, God, of his commandment to love each other is something that he puts in our hearts. This is a work of God in our hearts. And we come to understand and identify with it because it is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. We read in Romans chapter 5, it says, that the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts to the spirit he has given us. It's not something from us. It's not something that we can conjure up or we can make up or we can try to fake it. Uh, you know, it might, it might exist for a time, but, you know, life has a way of the, <laughs> the, the, fi- the fires of tri- the tri- fiery trials have a way of showing what's real and what isn't. 
In verse 4, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. This is how we overcome everything that the world is throwing at us, is our faith. Not our faith in faith, but our faith in the power of God through Jesus, through His blood. Through the forgiveness of sins, we have fellowship with God. We have access to the throne of God. Through the blood of Jesus, where our sins are forgiven, and He accepts us as His children. In the Gospel of John, it says, As many as receive Him, receive Jesus, to them does He give the power to become the children of God. Now, when I was a kid, I was taught to believe that receiving Jesus meant taking communion. But as I come to read the Bible and to study it and to see for myself, that's not what it's talking about. In the Lord's Supper is a remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. But receiving Jesus is something that happens to us by faith. When Jesus says, come to me, it is a step of faith that we come to him and believe that he's real and believe that the message is real and believe that his death, his birth, death, burial, and resurrection from the dead and his ascension and seated at the right hand of the Father, that these things are true and real and we believe in them in our heart. And if we believe them in our heart, it has a life-changing effect on our life. Christianity is not a, a, a religion of morality. I was also taught that as a kid. Just do what's right and God will accept you. That's it. That was the message. But in the back of my head, there is always this question. Well, then what is all this about Jesus on the cross? Then what did that need to have? We just need to be good people. What is that all? What, what do we need that for? I was very confused. It's because... There is no acceptance of us before God except through what Jesus did on the cross. Believing it. Believing that message. It says that we are, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. This is a fundamental truth of the scriptures. That our belief in what God has done and what he has declared and what he has promised... When we believe it, God accepts us and counts it to us as righteousness. Because when we believe it in our heart, it's real. We become alive. We become the sons of God, the daughters of God. We become the children of God. And he puts his spirit in us as we respond by faith to the things he says. In verse 5, he says, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The whole message of the Gospel, the whole Bible, is surrounding one basic truth, and that's it. There it is right there. That Jesus is the Christ. Because if we don't believe that, we have nothing but a dead religion. There are many religions that believe 
the, if, in certain inspiration of the Bible, I'll take, uh, you know, that, that it's somehow like a moral religion of God, but they don't believe a lot of the details. They just believe they're just examples and, you know, lessons to be learned, but these things didn't really happen, including Jesus being a, the Messiah and things like that. And they reject that, but they accept the morality of the Bible. What you have there is called dead religion. It does not bring life. It cannot save. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? In their hearts. And then he says a few things here. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the water, and the Holy, and the Holy Spirit. The Word. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Now this is here is talking about a witness to all people. And it's talking about the witness. It says, Jesus came by water and blood. Now people say, what do you mean water and blood? Now it's generally believed that the water is when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And, and those who would respond to Jesus' command to be baptized, the water... And the blood. Jesus Christ not only, came not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit bore witness that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, by various miracles and signs and wonders. Many things that the Holy Spirit did through many people, through His Son. And bore witness that this is true. And he says there's three that bear witness in heaven. The Father bears witness. The Word. The Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Son of God came. The Word. And the Holy Spirit. These three are one. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one. Three people making up one God. And there are three that bear witness on the earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. The Spirit bears witness, and the water bears witness, and the blood bears witness. To who? To us. The blood of Jesus bears witness to the forgiveness of our sins, fellowship with God. And the power of the Holy Spirit as we follow Christ. And the water. Jesus says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. We have an obligation as a believer to obey Christ. And so when Peter was asked, What shall we do? He says, Believe and be baptized, all of you, for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Believe, repent, and respond. Believe, repent by faith, and be baptized by faith. Follow Christ by faith. Everything is done by faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The faith in the message. Because if we repent of our sins and we don't have faith that Jesus is the Christ who gave us eternal life through his death and and all and everything that's said about it, if we don't believe that, God won't accept our repentance. If we are baptized in water as a baby, as a as a as a grown-up or anywhere in between, we're just getting wet. The victory that overcomes the world is by faith. Living the Christian life is by faith. The just shall live by faith. Everything that we do is because we believe this foundational, fundamental message. And God accepts us because of our faith in the message and living out faith in the message. They say that love is an action word. And faith, too, is also an action word. As we read in the book of James, it says, faith without works is dead. James says the, 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 the works were working with the faith. The faith working with the works. His faith was made perfect by what he did. In verse 9, he continues on, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. Men witness say a lot of things. There's a lot of religion. There's a lot of Christian religion. And some of it is not according to God's word. He says, if we receive the witness, witness of men, the witness of God is greater. People say, well, I think this about that or that about God. And people will believe it. But yet the word of God says something different. The witness of God is greater. And it says that if we believe in the Son of God, we have this witness in ourselves, in our hearts. So we saw in ourselves, inside of us. We have this witness inside of us. The Apostle Paul said that circumcision and uncircumcision doesn't mean anything but a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The witness is on the inside, a new creation on the inside. That is the witness of God to those who believe in the Son of God. A, a, a new life on the inside. And the new life on the inside affects the life on the outside. That's why it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The new creature begin, be starts in the, in the inside, but it filters out to the outside. In the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we have a changed heart, changes the way we speak, changes the way we live, the way we act, we're born, we're born again, we're born of the Spirit. The first time we're born of the flesh, second time 
we're born of the Spirit. When we believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Again, verse 10, He who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. So this is what it all hinges on right here. It says whoever does not believe this message this testimony that God gave concerning His Son is rejecting God as a liar. He's rejecting God. He's making God out to be a liar. This is the responsibility of all people. That when they hear the message, they should embrace it. And the condemnation is the rejection of that message. Believing it in our hearts saves us. Rejecting this message in our hearts condemns us. So, well, you know, I'm not sure if it's true or not. Well, to those who are in that place, that's why Jesus says, Seek and you shall find. That was his message. Knock and the door will be open. But frankly, there are many people in this world who just say, ah, I don't know, I don't know about that and everything, but they never search for it as hidden gold the mystery of the ages, and they just too busy for it. And yet it concerns, concerns the hereafter, the eternal life. But they've got other things to do. We make God to be a liar. You see the importance of believing the message of the gospel, because God has sent it forth into all the earth. The message of the gospel is being preached in the whole world right now. Everywhere in the world, even in countries where it's illegal, they can easily get it on the, through the internet, if nowhere else, if missionaries can't get there. That message is all over the world, in countries where it's outlawed, Muslim countries, communist countries. It's everywhere. And Jesus said these words, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a testimony, and then the end shall come. Say, so, well, how did a carpenter from Nazareth know that what he was saying be preached all over the world? He knew. Because he's the Son of God. He's God the Son. He knows. And he says that if we don't believe this message, we don't have faith. We won't overcome the world. Have no victory. And God's judgment is still against us. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. And how do we get this life in His Son? That's what we've been saying. Believe the message. Faith in the message. Faith in the Son of God. And not just a message, but the person of the message. He's still alive. He lives today. His Spirit is, is in the world, and His Spirit is among us, and living in those who believe this in their heart. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Now, in verses 12 and 13, it's important to take, take note of the wording and the tense in which the Apostle John is speaking, because it's present tense. It says, 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So that's the message plain and clear. Either you have it or you don't. It's a present tense message. Either you have the Son of God or you don't have the Son of God. So how do I get the Son of God? Through faith in the Son of God, believing that Jesus is the Christ, and then responding to that message by faith. You hear the message, you believe the message by faith, and then you respond to the message by faith. And this is very important for the Christian to understand also. Because when we believe this message and God accepts us through the pardoning of our sins and we have fellowship with God, it changes everything. It changes everything. We have access through the Father, to the throne of God. We have access to the promises of God. Everything that God has said that He has promised to those who believe in Him, to those who are the children of God, the door swings wide open. The gates to the throne... The veil is open to all those who come to the Father through the Son. And this should be a a message that encourages us as Christians to not be down and downcast, not to be overwhelmed by circumstances, not to feel far from God and, and overwhelmed because we have access to the Father. We have access to Him. And and God is very much concerned with each of us in our life. Very much concerned, whether we're a Christian or not. I remember when, when the Lord was in the burning bush, He told Moses a message to give to the children of Israel. He says, I've seen your affliction, and I'm very concerned. He goes, therefore... I'm going to deliver you. God sees our affliction. He, 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 he feels the pain in our hearts. He knows. He feels the pain in our hearts of each one of us. He knows. And that's why He tells us, if you're burdened, if you're heavily laden, come to Me and I will give you rest. It is the continual message of the Gospel. Wherever we are, whoever we are, Whatever we've done, come to me and be unshackled of your burden. Christian, non-Christian, come to me, he says. The wide-open invitation. Verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say that you might have eternal life. It says that you have, present tense, eternal life. Hey, wait a minute, I'm not in heaven yet. How can I have eternal life when I'm not there yet? Ah, but there's there's the truth of the gospel. If you believe the message in your hearts that Jesus is the Christ, this message of the cross, if you believe it in your hearts, you have If you respond by faith to this message, you have eternal life. Have it. Nowadays, 
we have a debit card, and we get a bank statement that says you have such and such amount of money in the bank. And you just use a debit card whenever you need something and it's there. Because we know it's there. We have, you know, we saw we have $3,000 in the bank, whatever we have. And so we know we can spend that much money because we know it's in the bank. We have confidence. We have faith that it's there. Electronic. Well, I'll just use that as an example. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that we have faith that there's money there. And that's the message. We believe that there is something there that we already have. We have eternal life through the message, through faith, the response of faith to the message we have heard, that we have eternal life. doesn't say we will have. We will go to heaven. We're not in heaven yet. But we have, as a present possession, eternal life. Now that's not my theory. That's what it's saying there. I'll read it again. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You may continue to believe the message. Jesus said, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. This message, is it something in our heads or is it in our hearts? Do we believe it in our hearts? Jesus said, be faithful that no one may take your crown. Don't be deceived. This message is one that we must endure to the end. And we have eternal life through faith in His Son. What is one of the great things the world is trying to do to to deceive people? Is to try to discredit that message. And that's not something new that Satan's doing. He's been doing it for a long time. Been using the media, philosophers, scientists. Not putting down all science. It's a mixed message. Politics, religion, using many things to try to discredit the message. We must continue in that message. Endure and have the victory that we have is our faith in Christ. That's how we will be victorious. That's how we will continue in Christ. We must abide in Christ, continue in Christ. How does that happen? By faith in Christ. That is the victory that overcomes the world. From there, I'd like to go uh, to Romans chapter 3, verses 20 to 28. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all 
and on all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Amen. We see here that God had given us His law, the Ten Commandments. He says no one can be justified by doing them. So why did He give them? He says because of them comes the knowledge of sin. He shows us the one thing that the Ten Commandments shows us, if we're honest and not boasting how good we are in doing them, as some did, they came to Jesus. He said, the one guy said, Jesus, I've done, the, I've kept the commandments at the time I was a little boy. <coughs> but he didn't keep them perfectly. And Jesus exposed his imperfections. And so, it says, by the works of, by, by the law, doesn't come acceptance before God, but it gives us a knowledge of what sin is. It shows us how sinful we really are and how much we need a Savior. In the book of Galatians, it says that the law came as a schoolmaster, a school teacher, to lead us to Christ. What do you mean by that? As a school teacher, it taught us that we need a Savior. As a school teacher, and the law showed us as you read all the things, you say, oh, I disobeyed my parents. Oh, I did this wrong. I did that. I lied. I cheated. I took God's name in vain. I did all these things. I need forgiveness. How do I get forgiveness before God? How will God accept me if I did, broke all of His laws? We need a Savior. We need a Savior. And God knew it too. That's why He sent His Son. That's what this is all about, this strange message to the human mind. This is why he did it. And that's why it says, in verse 21, now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus, to all and on all who believe. The same message of faith that we who believe the message, that God's righteousness, it says, is on all, to all, and on all who believe. God's righteousness is on me if I believe, on you if you believe in your heart the message that God gave concerning His Son. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus, on all, to all and on all who believe. Verse 23, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. 
Number four, being justified freely or without cost by his grace. Grace means a favor that we don't deserve. God favors us and grants us favor that we don't deserve. That's grace. God's graciousness towards us. We deserve judgment because we've sinned against God. Nobody's perfect. You're right. And because nobody's perfect, we all need a Savior. Because God is perfect. And it says about Jesus in verse 25, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood. A propitiation is a word that we don't use anymore. At least I'm, I haven't heard it used other than in the Bible. Propitiation. What does it mean? It means, according to the, the dictionary, the act of gaining favor or goodwill of someone. The act of appeasing God through atonement. Atonement, paying the blood of Jesus, paying for our sins. The act of gaining favor or goodwill of someone. The act was done by Jesus. So for us to get goodwill, favor with God, grace from God, the act was done by Jesus by giving his life. And we receive the benefits of that favor through believing the message in our hearts and responding by faith to the message that we believe in our hearts. The last one is in chapter 4 of Romans. Oh, wait, I, let me see, did I finish that one? In verse, uh, verse 26 of chapter 3, I'm sorry. God is demonstrating at the present time his righteousness, that God, he might be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God will accept us through faith in Jesus. We've been saying the same thing over and over again through all these different scriptures. Because that's what the scriptures are saying over and over again. Trying to get a a very basic fundamental message through to us. That it is not a message of morality. It is a message of grace and faith. Morality follows a heart that's changed. Christian morality, Christian living... Christian works follow because if there's no faith there's no salvation there's no acceptance with God and in verse 28 therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from deeds the deeds of the law apart from morality God saves us we're justified by, before God, accepted by God through faith in the message. So, in chapter 4, it speaks about Abraham. And Dave, if you could read uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. It's in the middle of talking about <coughs> Abraham. And from uh, 4.17... Two, five, two. As it is written, 
I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And again, in this message, it, talk, it, it uses the message of Abraham, the story of Abraham, that when God told him, as old as he was and as old as his wife was, and past the time of childbearing, that he was going to have a son through his wife, his elderly wife, and that God was going to bless the whole earth through him. It says he believed God, and God accounted Abraham righteous because Abraham believed what God said, what God had promised. Now, what somebody promises, it depends on whether we believe it or not. If somebody is of shady character and they promise to give you pay you pay you back money they owed you you're not really sure whether they're going to do it or not you're skeptical cynical why because of their character because of their past maybe their history if somebody is a person of integrity and they say hey I'll pick you up at five o'clock you believe if that if it's at all possible they're going to do that why because of their integrity God told Abraham that his wife, his elderly wife, was going to have, have a son. And he believed the message that God, the promise that God made to him, because of the person who made it to him. It was God who made that promise. And now, after he t- talks about Abraham and that story of Abraham, and go and read the story of Abraham, but that message of Abraham believing what God promised. It says that same truth about Abraham believing the promise that was given to him is put upon us. Do we believe the message that God gave, the promise that God gave concerning his son? He promised eternal life to all those who believe this message in their hearts. To all. Do we believe it? It's based on what we think about the person who declared it. Is, can God be trusted? Is God a, a being of integrity that we can plan our life and live our life 
based on what he has said. And if we believe that he is that person, that being, God is that being who does not lie, who can be trusted, if he promises something, and he promises it to all, and he offers it to me, if we claim that, if we believe it, we claim that promise, God counts us righteous in the same way as he counted Abraham righteous. The righteousness of God through faith in the message of his son, through what Christ did on the cross, that God accepts us, he'll forgive us our sins because we have faith in the blood of Jesus, and he gives us, and we have, eternal life. And we must continue in these things that we've heard that are in our hearts. In verse 2 it says, through whom we, through Christ we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand righteous before God by His grace through faith, through faith in the message. This is the fundamental foundational message of the gospel of Jesus. God has set forth this message. How we respond to it is our decision. God reveals things, how we respond to it. We respond by faith or respond with a hardened heart. Cynical, skeptical, listening to the, the witness of men instead of the witness of God. Because this is the witness of God. It is a life-changing witness if we believe it. And we will have peace with God. We will have peace in our hearts. We will have freedom in our inner man. We will be delivered from the fear of death, from the bondage of slavery to the enemy. We will be delivered from these things. We will be delivered from our sinful nature, have power over our bodies, the power over our minds, the power of God. That's where I'm going to stop.